The following presentation was recorded at the Newbury Buddhist Monastery, Victoria, Australia. Please visit our website at nbm.org.au. So, so let me quickly introduce myself. So my name is Bante Chunda and um, I've been a monk for roughly 12, actually 13 years. 13 years? Yes, 13 years. Yes. And uh, yeah, so um, another talk. Yep, and you see other talk about topics uh, that's um, maybe to do what's happening at the moment around the world. Mm. Also to one's practice. After the talk, I'll open up to everyone for any questions and answers. Yeah, yeah so as we know, um, things are always <laughs> very uncertain um, with, with, with COVID and around the world. And we have another lockdown in, in um, Victoria again. I think this is our sixth lockdown. So yeah, so... It's hard when things are not going right and um, things are going downhill a bit. But it's part of our training as a Buddhist monastic and a Buddhist practitioner that we train ourselves not to believe in our thoughts too much. Because if we get caught up with our thoughts, then it's not really really good for the mental well-being. Because um, by... Um, our thoughts, our speech, our action, and our behavior all comes from the mind. So our mind is basically the forerunner of everything. So wherever we think, wherever we say, wherever we do, there's always a result. Yep. So it may cause uh, unskillful action, speech, and mind, and at least suffering to oneself and to others. It was always very important to always learn to um, control our thoughts and our feelings, our emotion. That it does not lead to um, fear, anxiety, worry, and too much hopelessness. Because as a Buddhist monastic and also a practitioner, one of our main practices is to watch and guard over our thoughts and our emotion. Because if we don't do that, then unwholesome behavior will arise in our heart. That will lead to suffering to ourselves and especially other people. So we have seen lately in, up in the news uh, where when things don't go do well, people are just really, really unhappy. And sometimes they, they can express those behaviors that may lead to a lot of harm and problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I do remember uh, when I was a layperson, before I was Buddhist, I used to um, basically really go for my emotion and my thoughts. Uh. But as a layperson, uh, we are basically uh, um, trained by society uh, to really make our will, our thoughts and our thinking strong um, so we can get ahead in life, uh, in study, uh, and really go for what we need uh, in life. Uh. So basically, really go for our, our desire and our wants. Uh. But later on, I found uh, as I got older and older, uh, it just called me more confusion and more headache. Uh. And it actually led to quite a bit of anxiety uh, in my heart. Uh. And I was finding it was hard to sleep uh, 
because I was getting really just really um, caught up with my thinking yeah, so much yeah, that I suddenly have anxiety yeah, and panic attack yeah, and also um, my hope went down a bit. Yeah. So um, then I, I come across uh, meditation and Buddhist teaching. Yeah. They say basically life is always up and down and um, there is suffering. And when suffering arises, we must understand the cause and condition. So basically the Four Noble Truths. There is suffering. And the cause is holding on to things. And wanting things that we cannot have. Or not wanting things that happen in life. So once and dislike. And the path to lessen our happiness, to lessen our suffering is to understand. To accept things as they are and to practice the, um, the Eightfold Path. So when I started doing meditation and learning a Buddhist teaching, I learned to basically understand my bad habits, behavior, thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Because um, the way to understand everything is to basically develop meditation, to calm, calm and still the mind. Because if we don't, calm and still the mind, then the outflowing of the mind will just flow out through our mind to our five senses and out to the world. And when that um, flowing is not um, being kept aware or understand, then it can lead to a, a lot of unwholesome behavior like too much greed, too much anger, too much um, ego itself. Uh, so when that happens, uh, we may cause a lot of um, unhappiness to oneself and other people. Uh. So that's why it's so important uh, to have those five uh, morals precepts. Uh, the five precepts is so important. Uh. So we keep those five precepts uh, in order to um, to stop our unwholesome behavior. Uh. But the meditation uh, is basically to understand the mind, to calm it down. When the mind is calm, uh, and it's peaceful, and it's very still. We experience peace of mind, and uh, and the freedom from from our thoughts, uh, and our, especially our attachment uh, to worldly things. Uh, because if we're not free, uh, then we will always control uh, by the external senses, uh, for our our five senses to the world. Uh. So um, yep. So meditation is a form of stealing and calming the mind. Uh, but most important is freedom. When we have freedom, then we are truly at peace and happy. If we don't have freedom, then we are controlled from the external form of the world. And we are controlled by our addiction to basically our sense desires, food, material wealth, um, relationship. Um, yeah, so it just goes on and on. And... Um, we become a craving and uh, become a slave to our, our attachment. That's why meditation is very important. The more we understand ourselves, the more we understand our thoughts, the more we understand our emotion, our feelings and our memory, then we understand the cause and condition. And once we understand ourselves clearly, then we can be fully free. In Buddhism, we have this concept of non-self. We believe that all our unhappiness and problem 
comes from the self. And if there's a self, there's my problem, my ownership, um, my issue, my defilements, my rights. I'm not treated fairly. I did so much. People always pick on me. People put me down. And all these things go on and on and on. My rights. Yes. And, but when you look deeper into deep meditation, you realize there's no one there. It's just a process. And the more we, we, we meditate, the more we become a mind, the more we still the mind, then we understand these are basically just cause and condition. So when this cause and condition is actually solely realized through insight, yeah, to the way the things are, then we basically, we can learn to let go. And when we let go, we have a sense of freedom through the mind that's completely still, fully aware and understand. Because when the mind is very calm and very peaceful, when thoughts arise, we know these thoughts is not uh, conducive to our practice. And also, if we don't understand our thoughts and our feelings, then it can basically run Run, run, uh, run, race, basically out of control. Uh. Yeah, that's why the Buddha say, yeah, a uncontrolled mind uh, is a great source of suffering. A well controlled mind uh, is a great source of happiness. Uh. Yeah. So, you can see the result uh, with what's happening in the world. Uh. So, this outflowing, yeah. Uh, is quite important. Yep. So it's only through our precept, our meditation, and also our study of the on the Buddhist teaching. Because in order to develop the wisdom, we have to keep those five precepts and to let things go, to calm the mind. Because not we are calming the mind, then we don't see things clearly. Because when we have wisdom. We understand the harm and the danger of not being aware of our action, our speech, and our thinking. Yep. When the mind is peaceful, we, think see, we see things clearly. So wisdom has to be developed yep. through a practice. Yep. Yeah. It's good, always good to have similes. Because Arjun Brown was saying that he was one time doing some work in the monastery, doing a lot of work, yeah? building the monastery in the early days. Yeah? So one of the um, buildings that I start building yeah? in the beginning yeah? wasn't the kutis or the um, yeah, kutis or monks dwelling. Yeah? It was basically a, a, a shower block yeah? for people to basically take a shower. Yeah? Because when you live in um, Western Australia, yeah? especially in winter, yeah? it can be very <laughs> extremely cold. Yeah? Yes, so if you don't have a shower, shower block, yeah, then you can take a freezing bath in, in the, um, in the dam in the monastery. Yeah. So one, the, um, shower, shower block, evolution block was one of the first buildings that Ashenbrand started building. Yeah. So it was doing a lot of work, working in the morning, evening, yeah, and sometimes in the evening, in, in the afternoon, afternoon, evening, yeah, doing the, um, the shower block. Yeah. So it was laying bricks and, um, Ashen Brown is a bit of a fashionist. Uh, he likes to do things perfectly. Uh, 
and it's, it's got really good mindfulness. Uh, so he'll put bricks nicely. Uh, and one time he, he was doing the, the brick, uh, um, two bricks got out of place, uh, and he was settler. And when he saw the brick, uh, he really wanted to um, um, remove the bricks with a slash hammer or even a dynamite, dynamite uh, and blow it up. Uh. So he asked um, Arshan Jagarola, that was the abbot at the time, uh, if he can uh, knock down the brick uh, and start all over again. Uh, and Arshan Jagarola say, no, don't do that. Um, Venerable one one soul, uh, just continue as he is. Uh, so, so every time Ajahn Brahm would go down there uh, to continue doing the bricks, uh, he would start laying it. Uh, but his, his mind will always be drawn to the, those two bad bricks. Uh, and I was always get, was giving a lot of um, unhappiness. Uh, and even it was finding hard to sleep at night, yeah, just thinking of the, the two bad bricks. Uh, and Ajahn was saying that sometimes when there was guests coming in, uh, he always avoid taking the guests uh, to the uh, to the wall where the two back bricks is there. And one time, um, he did took a person there to show him what, what was happening in the monastery. Yeah. And um, and the person said, wow, this uh, brick of wall is, is so beautiful. Uh. And Ajahn will say, uh, are you blind? Don't you see those two back bricks? Uh? And, um, and the person said, no, no. I can see the 999 good bricks. Uh. The Ajahn stopped and thought, oh, to himself. Yep, it was just way too caught up uh, with the two back bricks. Uh. Actually, when he looks at, at, the, at the whole wall, uh, there was 999 good, good, good bricks. Uh. There was only the two back bricks. Uh. So that was a base, uh, a good insight yeah, and understanding for Ashen Brown. Uh. So he, he looked in life uh, and he realized uh, no matter how bad things are, uh, and you always to always reflect on all the good things uh, that he done. Uh, um, throwing is a monastic practice in the monastery. Yeah? Even if things don't work out well, uh, we sometimes we learn to let it go. Uh. And one time, a, one of the brick here was um, with Arjun Brown. He says sometimes when you have things that's not perfect, yeah? uh, we call that a, a feature. A feature uh. So a feature, you see people pay more for a feature. Uh. Yep. Yeah, so when I heard about the two bad bricks, uh, um, every time I go down to... Um, or I go down to the shower block, I'll look around uh, to find the two back bricks. Uh. It was hard to locate, uh, but later on I did locate it uh, next to the um, the laundry room. Uh, a bit further up, and I saw two bad bricks. Uh, there was just one was slightly out of shape, and one was sticking out a little bit. Uh, and I go, wow, okay, so those are the two bad bricks. Uh. But so I look around the whole place, uh, I can't find any bad bricks, uh, but only there was two bad bricks uh, in one location, right, roughly in the middle. Uh, and um, middle of the wall, maybe about two meters higher, and they didn't look so bad. It was just slightly off. Uh, yeah, but it, basically, Ashen Brown said that caused a lot of suffering for him uh, until someone say it's not too bad. Uh, there's only two bad bricks, but the rest of the 99, 999 is good Yes. Yeah, so that's a good simile uh, on um, our thoughts and life. Uh, how things can actually drive us really unhappy, yeah? And we concentrate on the negative things, yeah? Because in life, yeah, things are always changing. It's always impermanent. Sometimes good things happen, sometimes bad things happen. So when good things happen, we um, enjoy it, we cherish it, 
But when bad things happen, we learn to let it go. Because we know things will pass. But there was a story when um, there's a long, young prince that actually become a young king. And every time you have celebration, parties in his kingdom. So when th- things are doing well, he will enjoy it. And when things are not doing well in the colony or in the kingdom, the, um, the young king will become very, very upset and sad and also depressed and miserable. So one of his advisors told him, this too will pass because there'll be good times and there'll be bad times. So he gave him a, a ring and every time when things go down and when things are not doing well, the young king will look at the ring and he will say, this too will pass. So in life, things are always very uncertain. So you look at history, you look back maybe a few hundred years, history has always been up and down. But recently, we do have a lot of period of um, good times uh, after the um, Second World War. Uh, I mean, things because of the pan- coronavirus thing, uh, um, a lot of scientists uh, are saying that with the world, uh, we are actually really, really overview, overdue uh, for something, a crisis like that uh, happening. Uh. So a lot of scientists uh, were saying that this is actually due, uh, yeah, but they don't know when it happened. Uh. So when things happen, we just need to learn to accept things and um, learn to adapt. Yeah. So the good thing about with um, Buddhist practitioner, when things are not doing so well, we tend to just withdraw back and have a quiet time at home or in the monastery and really just cut down our duties and responsibility. Being a monastic, we don't really have to have so much. We need a rope. Um, a simple kuti in the forest, um, food, and medicine. These are the main four requisites uh, as a monastic that's required in order to practice. And then our kutis are actually quite simple. Uh, because of the building code, uh, we need to build it up to a certain standard. Uh. So some of the monks come down to um, Newbury Buddhist Monastery and they realize, wow, some of these um, kutis are pretty good. Uh. We have power, we have floor heating, we have only a, even have toilet, sh- toilet and a shower in the kutis. But the rooms, the kutis are very small. It's like um, even smaller than a bedroom. Yes. Yeah, but we're trying to keep it as simple as possible. Because of the building code, we can't build it just like a, a simple shed. In some monastery, it's like a simple shed. Just four walls, um, a window, a door, and a simple roof. But I think in Western, in uh, Victoria, if we build a shed and the monks live there, I don't think our supporter would be too happy or thrilled. And if the council come over and see the monks living in the shed, they won't be too happy. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I do admit the goodies are built in the high standard. Yes. And Ashim Brown this one time did joke about like, saying having a monk. It's like having a dog, because uh, a dog would be happy to just have whatever they have, uh, and also easy maintenance. Uh. Yep, yeah. I mean, it's true. Uh, when I go to um, travel to um, like India 
or other Buddhist country. Uh, some of the place that I stay here uh, is like so simple, uh, and the food is so simple. Uh, it's like almost like being a dog. <laughs> yeah, you just live in a a simple empty room uh, with an old mattress, and um, when you go for dinner butler, you just eat whatever is given. Uh, yeah, to a monastic. So sometimes we do live like a dog yeah, overseas. I'm not I'm not saying that we are dogs. We just we just the lifestyle can be like that. So Ashen Brown was saying that as a monastic, it's as easy as the maintenance as the dog. <laughs> Maybe Ajahn is just joking around, pulling our legs. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's also a good simile um, on life. So. There was an old farmer who was living somewhere in Asia. And uh, he has a simple farm. And he was the same and his, his, and his family. And one day, um, his horse ran away and escaped and ran off into the forest, into the hills. And uh, his friend um, within the village said, Oh, that's really bad. That's really not, not good, bad that things like that happen. And the old farmer said, mm, well, maybe. And um, the next day, the horse came back uh, with a group of other horses. Uh, and the, his friend came to his um, came and looked at the horse and said, oh, that's, that's really, really good. Uh. It's good that the, your horse came back with a group of other horses. Uh. And the old farmer said, hmm, maybe. Yeah. Then the next day, his youngest son uh, um, tried to ride one of the horses that came in the forest. They came from the forest uh, and was trying to tame and ride the horse. Uh, and somehow the, the horse jumped up uh, and he fell down uh, and broke his arm. Uh, and his friend came over uh, from the village and said, Oh, that's really unfortunate uh, that that happened. Uh, and your son broke your, your son broke, broke his arm. Uh, and the old father said, Well, maybe. Yeah. Then a week later, uh, um, the, one of the officials from the king came over to the village and said that there is a war that's brewing next door to the kingdom and we need all the able, young, fit um, um, men to join the army and to fight for the kingdom. And he went and uh, rounded up, or oh, oh, what's the word? Not round, what's the word? I think there's a word in English, it's called uh, you have to enlist, uh, yeah, and enlist in the army. Yeah. So he was looking for everyone to run up. Uh. So when he came to the old farmer's uh, uh, youngest son, they say, "Oh, we can't enlist you, uh, because you have a broken arm." Uh. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, so things are always changing. Even misfortune uh, become fortune. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So and the, and the old farmer say, "Hmm, maybe too." Uh. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so this is a nice simile on life. Yeah, so the monastery is basically on, in um, lockdown. Um, the whole of uh, Victoria is on lockdown too. Le. But during the Wassa, actually the monks and nuns are, are basically in lockdown. Le. For three months, le, we don't leave the monastery. And if we do leave the monastery, it's only for emergency, like going to the doctors, or if anything that happened uh, that we have to attend. Uh, but um, things like that is quite rare. Uh, 
because you see for monks, if we do go to the uh, leave the monastery in the wassail, is you see to see someone in hospital, they are sick or dying, attend a, a um, funeral or any urgency that need to be attended in the Buddhist society of Victoria. Um, but due to lockdown, you see most of the monks and nuns will stay in the monastery. And if we do do, do go out, it has to be something like emergency, a, a medical emergency. Yeah, so um, yeah, I've been reflecting in the monastery during the wassail. Everything is slowed down. I mean, we do have guests coming in once in a while and also offering dana. But due to the, uh, the the tight restriction, all guests are not really coming to the monastery. And also we don't have people coming in for dana. So it's good. It's really quiet. But I think we, we still have the delivery from caterers to come over with, with um, permits. But it's great. So when, um, when it's nice and quiet, we can basically... Um, yeah, slow down with our external duties where we can have more time and concentrate in, um, in our time to uh, stay by ourselves, have more solitude, more time to practice. And we can practice and slow things down. Then we calm the mind. We still the mind. We deepen our meditation because after the wasala, you see we're very busy. We work and uh, building and set up the monastery and teaching and also talking to lay people. But during the Wasa, it's usually a special time where we have more time just to rest and to practice and to study and to be by ourselves and to be with nature, enjoy the forest and also enjoy the, the animals. One thing I really enjoy is coming to Newbury Buddhist Monastery is just look, looking out into the horizon to view the forest. You see the kangaroos, you see the um, the wombats at nights, and uh, during the day you see the the eagle, the wedge-tailed eagles, and they soar really high and silent. So one thing I really miss um, when I go go to um, Perth is the, not seeing the um, the eagles and also the wombats. Yeah. yeah, as the monastic and the lay people staying here. Um, we, everything's become calm and settled and really, really enjoy nature. I remember the first year that I came here, I used to go for a walk and we see the kangaroos and they just see us and just run away, run run for their life. But we, but the um, monastic has been here for quite a while. So every time I walk back to my kuti, I notice there'll be a mob of kangaroos and they'll be just hanging around and just watching us walk past to our kuti. So the, even the kangaroos uh, realize uh, that we are not any harm or danger uh, to, um, to them. Because you see outside the monastery, uh, if they see a person, uh, they'll run for their life. Uh, but in the monastery, uh, they know they're quite safe. Uh, and also uh, they are um, safe from danger. Uh, yeah. And you know that most of the um, Monastic and resident that stay in the monastery yeah, mean no harm uh, to them. Uh, yeah. So we do realize uh, the more that we, the longer we stay here, uh, the animals in the monastery get quite used to the to the monastic and lay people here. Uh, yeah, and they're not afraid. They're not running for their life. Uh. 
And also it's quite interesting, yeah. And if things are going wrong out in the world, people might get a bit upset and they might voice their unhappiness. Yeah. But within the monastery, yeah, when things go wrong, yeah, like if there's a massive storm, trees come down and or it might snow for like one or two days. Yeah, and um, I don't see the kangaroos jumping up and down yeah, too much yeah, and complaining yeah, or um, processing too much. Yeah. So it's really good like, when you stay in the monastery, you really enjoy the nature like, of the forest and also the animals. Yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, so this is basically a short talk. Yeah. Yep. So please uh, stay at home, stay safe, and learn to become a island to oneself because when you become an island to yourself you're safe and you're protected you protect yourself and you protect other people so yeah so it's same with the monastic when our training is to become an island to ourselves okay so we finished the talk so I'd like to ask is there any question and answer oh no questions, so that's good. Yeah. So I don't know. So please ask for forgiveness if it's a really really bad talker, or maybe it's a good talker. Yes. Okay. So please take care, and uh, stay safe at home. When you stay at home, when you stay by yourself, you can practice more, and you practice so you take care of yourself and you take care of other people. Okay. Thank you. And have a good morning. Okay, and it's lunchtime for the monastic. Okay, thank you. Goodbye.